T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. For a lot of people who dyed their hair, um, it's now probably six, seven weeks that they haven't been able to go to a salon, so now their roots are starting to show. I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, really bad hair, uh, both with, with people buying their own clippers, trying to cut their own hair, as well as dye their own hair. That's analyst Phil Lemper talking about some of the many products people are making a run on these days. This is WBBM's In-Depth, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air. I'm Cisco Cotto. This week, we continue our discussion on the coronavirus pandemic. We'll talk to Phil Lemford about consumer buying behavior during the outbreak. Also, the auto industry, how are sales going, and when will widespread travel return? What might it look like in the future? Will travel be forever changed? First, let's talk about the spread of COVID-19. Michelle Cortez is joining us. Michelle is a health reporter with Bloomberg News in Minneapolis. Our governor here in Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, talked about how long it is taking for COVID cases to double here in the state of Illinois and how that number is rising. At the beginning of this pandemic, our doubling rates were very low. And since we put all our executive orders in place, Illinois has seen our doubling rates increase substantially. That is a very good thing. On March 22nd, the rate at which our COVID positive case count was doubling was just about two days. By April 1st, that rate had increased to around 3.6 days. As of this Sunday, April 12th, our case doubling rate had reached 8.2 days. Michelle, help us to understand what the governor is talking about here with the number of cases doubling and how long that is taking. So that's what epidemiologists look for when they're trying to determine how widely spread a virus is or an infectious disease. Usually when it's escalating at an exponential rate, you're seeing a doubling of cases about every three to five days. And when that period of time elongates, that means that you're actually slowing down the transmission of the virus in the community. And that's an indication that you guys are actually bending the curve, you're flattening the curve and getting a hold on the virus. So we want that date to to keep getting uh, longer and longer. That's a number that we want to go up. That is a number that you want to go up, the amount of time it takes for the number of cases to double. Exactly. If you think about it like that old uh, shampoo commercial where, you know, one person tells 
two other people and then those two people tell four people and those four people tell 16, you see how you start getting to really significant numbers very quickly. You can also do that in the opposite direction. So here in Chicago, things are, I mean, within reason, things are getting better. Obviously, it's still bad, but things are getting better. New York City has been the probably the worst, the hardest hit by this. What's the latest out of New York? New York has been the hardest hit, but there is good news there as well. They are seeing fewer cases. They're seeing fewer hospitalizations. And while the death rates aren't coming down as quickly as they had hoped, the death rates are coming down. They're no longer hitting records day after day. And so what is the governor talking about, the governor of New York here, as far as maybe getting things back open? I know there's a big debate going on right now nationwide, governors and the president and Dr. Anthony Fauci, all of them kind of going back and forth. A lot of people want to get the economy rolling again, but they want to do it safely. Exactly true. They do want to do it and they want to do it safely. The thing is, is that everybody is arguing about who is going to be able to make the decision about what economies are opened. And the bottom line is, is that the people who are going to be making these decisions is every individual in America. You asked me at the beginning about bending the curve and the slowing of the case rates and the doubling of the diseases. That's all because individual Americans have been making that decision to keep themselves safe and to protect their neighbors and their friends and family. And that's a decision that we're all going to have to make again when the economies all start opening up. You're going to be able to decide what you think is safe for you. If you can go to a concert, if you can go to a grocery store, if you can go to church, if you can go to a party, And those decisions that we all make individually is going to be what determines how fast that virus continues to spread in our country. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because in my family, we've had discussions about this. We have some family members with health issues. And so my wife and I have been talking about, I haven't made any decisions, but we've been talking about, okay, if they reopen the schools, are we willing to send our kids back to schools? We have very young children. Uh, When it comes to restaurants, are we going to go and sit down as a family and have a meal until there is a vaccine? And, And we know that it has been administered widely. Uh, I'm tracking with you here because I think a lot of Americans aren't as concerned with when the government opens it up because they they are. They're going to say, hey, I'm not going out until I'm ready to go out. Exactly. That's exactly the case. But there's also the flip side of this, right, it, which is that if provided, if you assume that having the virus gives you some immunity, which we're all hoping for, but honestly, we don't know that that's the case yet. But if that is the case, we're not going to get a vaccine for at least another year or so. So in order to stop the spread, what we're going to have to have is some people who have gotten infected and recovered and therefore aren't continuing the spread of the virus anymore. So it does make sense in certain cases for, say, maybe young adults to be able to open back up a little bit. Maybe the virus will spread some among them, but their mortality levels are very low. As long as they're not infecting older people or others who are infecting older people, if we can keep that community isolated from all the dangerous people, but maybe start building up some immunity within that group in a very controlled and careful way, then that might make sense. And that's an individual decision for every single person. If you live away from your family, if you don't see that many people, if you just go out and hang out you know, on a Friday night with your friends at a bar and go dancing, as long as you don't see anybody who's not young and your age, then that might be a a good thing for for our health and for our economy. I'm imagining people at bars, people at hair salons, people at bowling alleys and arcades enjoying themselves, but doing so wearing masks at least for the next year. I mean, is that that's not a really far fetched scenario, is it? 
I think it's not a far-fetched scenario. It's going to have to be a decision that everybody makes on their own, whether or not they feel comfortable with that. Also, remember that a mask really protects other people from you. It doesn't protect you so much from other people, although... As with everything else, we don't have definitive answers yet. I've actually started thinking about this a little bit myself. It's kind of like imagining that you won the lottery. What would you do with the money? Imagine everything went back to normal and what would you do? Where would you go? What What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite bar? Is there music coming? Uh, it's a little bit of a, an escape in my mind. I like to think about it occasionally. I don't know when we'll get there, but it's a fun thing to imagine. <laughs> For sure. I am imagining myself on a beach in Puerto Rico, and I look forward to the day when it will happen. A lot of people, though, now, instead of imagining those good times, they are imagining things getting even worse. It's a very scary time. And that is leading to a run on grocery stores. It's been a really interesting pattern here on just exactly what products have been scarce, what things people have been hoarding. Phil Lempert is joining us to talk about that. He is the founder of SupermarketGuru.com, based in Los Angeles. Phil, it seems like whatever people think is going to be scarce, they run out and buy. They stock up on it. Exactly right, Cisco. And also keep in mind that in certain things, um, there are triggers. So, for example, you mentioned hair care. Well, for a lot of people who dye their hair, um, it's now probably six, seven weeks that they haven't been able to go to a salon. So now their roots are starting to show. Um, I also think we're going to see a lot of, you know, really bad hair, uh, both with, with people buying their own clippers, trying to cut their own hair, as well as dye their own hair. Uh, but you're right. You know, first up was hand sanitizers and face masks. Then we saw the toilet paper and paper towels. Um, paper towels, I understand. I'm still a bit confused about the whole toilet paper situation because I don't think that people are going to use more toilet paper if they get sick, but I could be wrong. Um, then the third week was really interesting. That's when we started to see pasta, pasta sauces, canned goods. Um, in fact, beans, canned beans were the number four uh, biggest increase item uh, that week. A lot of frozen foods, uh, people stacking their freezers. Um, interesting thing about meat, while most supermarkets um, are really running very lean on meat um, and poultry, for example, uh, there's a lot of bacon out there. Um, and one of the reasons that the bacon is out there is the restaurants are closed. So, you know, they're not able to sell the bacon to the restaurants. Then, um, Coincidentally, we started to see a lot of increased sales and really reversing the trend of alcohol um, of all kinds, hard alcohol and marijuana. Um, we saw that. We've even seen some reports that come out from doctors that say, you know, um, don't smoke marijuana if you have coronavirus because, you know, uh, COVID-19 might not have a good reaction with it as well. And now, as your point, uh, Doug McMillan went on the Today Show on Friday. Friday. He's the CEO of Walmart, and he's saying we're in the hair color phase of panic buying. So it's interesting to see, you know, how this is going to evolve, and a lot of it has to do with consumer behavior. And we're just trying to predict, you know, what's what's going to be limited next week. Yeah, really, really difficult to predict it, uh, especially because uh, you just never know when a run is going to happen. Always good insight. Thank you, Phil Lempert. Phil is founder of SupermarketGuru.com. Yes, it is certainly difficult to predict what the next hot product will be. We probably won't know until we see some more empty shelves. 
It's also hard to predict what's going on in the auto industry. Frankly, it's difficult to predict anything in this pandemic. But for automakers, it is especially difficult. When should they begin ramping up production again? Because the demand is back. Very, very difficult to predict. We talked about that with CBS's auto reporter Jeff Gilbert on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Right. It's truly uncharted waters. I mean, you've had car makers, individual car makers, shut down plants because sales were low. But you've never really had pretty much the entire industry shut down for pretty much most of a month just because of, of, of virus concerns. And so as they move forward, they have no idea when they can ramp up any sort of production, right? Uh, most car makers, Fiat, Chrysler, Toyota, and a couple of others, are targeting the beginning of May for this. But they're targeting it tentatively. Uh, all of the car makers are going through their plants right now while they're closed, trying to find ways to space workers, because obviously plants, in, in many cases, workers work close together. So they're trying to find new ways to place the workers further apart finding ways to put in shields to protect them from other workers, and finding new traffic patterns. Uh, Shift change is a big time when a lot of workers mix. So, you know, making entry-only, exit-only, things of that nature, and, and, you know, a ton of sanitization. How often are we going to have to clean everything? So they're working all through all of that right now. Let's talk about what they're doing on the customer side. Some lease extensions being offered. They don't necessarily need those cars back as quickly as they otherwise would. Yeah, you know, they're trying to reach out to customers the best they can because the thought is sales will come back in the late spring or summer. Maybe not as much as we had originally expected, but somewhat. So people whose leases expire, if they don't want to get a new vehicle online now because there are still some online sales, you know, in many cases they could be extended a few months. What are they doing? Any kind of deals? I know I've heard that uh, truck sales in Texas, something we've been talking about behind the scenes here, uh, not as strong as they were, but they're still going. And it's because of some of the deals being offered. Exactly. I mean, if you look at the primary mover, which is essentially seven years of interest-free money, if you're buying a small car, that doesn't have a big bang. But if you're in the market for a big pickup truck and you want it fully loaded, well, that can save you a lot of money. So that's why the pickup truck segment is doing, you know, relatively speaking, everything has collapsed. But relative to other vehicles, pickup trucks are doing better because a lot of these these deals are quite enticing for somebody who is looking for a new pickup truck and feels they will have a job, will have an ability to use this over the long term. What does this do to the used car market going forward, say, over the next six months? Well, because of all of these deep incentives, used cars are, are, are you know, they, they don't look as good in comparison to new cars. They're not as much of a bargain, so that's pushing the used car prices down. And there is a concern that as this goes on and it becomes more and more of a glut of used cars, they're going to have to push those prices down even more, which is going to push car makers into pushing their prices down even more. So that's going to cut into profits. But for customers who are looking, for people who are looking for a bargain, this summer is probably going to be a really good time to get a good deal on a vehicle. There will certainly be deals to be had on automobiles, also on travel, as a lot of places have been completely shut down. That means the deals may be a long way away, maybe months, maybe even into 2021. I don't want to be a doomsdayer here. Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, is joining us. I don't want to be a doomsdayer, Joe, but it seems like this could go on for a long time. Hello, Cisco. And yes, I don't think you're a doomsayer, unfortunately. I think that's the reality. You look at places where people want to go. Just last night, the president of France said, yeah, we won't even be opening restaurants 
until maybe July. Um, Australia is talking about not allowing anyone from outside the country in until next year. So this may be the summer of uh, getting in your car and driving somewhere. And uh, as far as going to uh, Europe, international destinations, I mean, that's your uh, you're talking about not only maybe not being able to do it and maybe it not being advised. But as you're saying, a lot of international spots are still going to be closed down a while. So there's no reason to go there. That's probably true. And there's no reason to think you may be able to get there. There's no guarantee the airlines are just going to snap back their schedules. They're, the flights they're running now have only 10% occupancy. You no longer have to worry about getting an empty middle seat. Now you can have your own row. So they're not going to be as fast to snap back service as you'd think. Um, as, as I've been telling readers of the website, there's no yesterday. Nothing that happened last year matters. No one can predict tomorrow. There's only today. And today, right now, there's no reason to think you'll be able to travel or even be interested in traveling for the foreseeable future. Now, I know you have uh, even some travel experts, Rick Steves, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of being cautious about canceling these trips, not wanting to cancel things too far off into the future, even as they wonder. I, I think I think you have a situation. Look, you're talking to a guy who ignorantly was planning a trip to Italy in late February for early March. So I'm going to be on the road as soon as it's likely and possible. But for the average American who is just looking to have a, some free time, some downtime these days now, just some time out of the house, I think we really are looking at the old get in the car and do the family summer road trip and hope that places around might be open. Maybe the, beach, the beaches in Michigan, maybe you drive somewhere across the country. I don't know that flying will be a really good option to any place you'd want to go to. Now, even if those places are open, are are you thinking that at least in the near future, things will be different? I mean, people, if you're on the beach, you're way apart from anyone else, maybe even continuing to wear masks. It's it's definitely possible, Cisco. I don't, I really don't think about the future in a way, in the way that most of the other quote-unquote experts think. I have no vested interest in making people travel. I write for people who decide they must travel. I don't think there's going to be a great demand. I I think people certainly want to be out of their houses, uh, especially in the big urban areas. I mean, I live in a very nice house looking over the Hudson River, but people in Manhattan and downtown Chicago are living in small spaces. They're going to want to get out, but I don't know that it's safe anywhere or they'll feel comfortable except for somewhat local places in in the area you even have to wonder whether the big theme parks can open and whether they'll open in a way that'll be friendly enough to customers to want to go there yeah you certainly don't want a bunch of people waiting in line for a ride at disney world right exactly i don't want to be three hours on a line socially separated with a mask i mean that line the, the line at disney world could stretch into alabama for all i know if the same number of crowds show up. So I think this is a play it by ear, day by day. Let's get our own neighborhoods and states back open, and then maybe we can think about going somewhere more exotic. I think you are exactly right. Good insight. Thank you, Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com. Join us next week for another edition of the WBBM In-Depth Podcast, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air 
Be sure to subscribe to receive this free podcast every Wednesday. And, of course, listen anytime for the stories that matter, including the latest on COVID-19, by listening to WBBM on the Radio.com app or on your radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 